Welcome to 10 Minute Law, a bonus podcast where, in 10 minutes or so, we break down the laws and policies that entangle the people in our series, Temporary. The series focuses on the lives of people who sought asylum in Australia, who arrived by boat when refugee policy was at the red-hot center of political debate in Australia. The biggest story of this time has been the people who were sent to offshore processing who have languished in Nauru and Papua New Guinea for years. Temporary is about other people who live among the Australian community but haven't grabbed the headlines. Jane McAdam is a Scientia Law Professor and Director of UNSW's Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law. Here's how she describes this group. Between August 2012 and January 2014, there was a group of people seeking asylum who were subject to being transferred to Manus Island or Nauru for processing. But because of capacity issues there, they were kept in Australia. By capacity issues, she means there wasn't enough space offshore. And they became what's known as the legacy caseload. We're talking about around 30,000 people. So Jane, these 30,000 people, can you give us a picture of them as a group? The people we're talking about are predominantly from places like Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran. If you think about the situations in these countries, particularly in recent years, it's fairly self-evident why people might be fleeing uh, these kinds of places. That may be self-evident, but there was still a lot of suspicion about these people in Australia. It's like they were considered criminals. Well, it's legal to seek asylum as a matter of international law. That's very clear. I think Australia has um, tried to dehumanise people and criminalise their behaviour. And that's also why this demonisation of people and this idea that somehow you're turning up um, without any need is so erroneous. Okay, Jane, if I can just pause there, you've already mentioned asylum seekers and refugees, and I'm wondering, can you set us straight? Is there a difference? So refugees are defined in international law. A refugee is essentially someone who is outside their country of origin, who has a well-founded fear of being persecuted on account of their race, their religion, their nationality, their political opinion, or their membership of a particular social group. An asylum seeker or a person seeking asylum could well be a refugee, but they haven't yet had their claim determined by an official. So they are seeking the protection of another country because they fear persecution for one of those reasons. Right. So someone is an asylum seeker until an official determines if their claim meets the criteria. If it does, they're recognised as a refugee. And under international law, refugees can't be sent back. Jane, did we sign up for this? Australia signed the Refugee Convention in 1954, and it was actually Australia's uh, joining the convention that brought it into force for the whole world. The reason we did so was because we recognised that sending people back to harm, which of course had been seen throughout the Second World War, um, just should not happen. Historically in Australia, when someone was found to be a refugee, 
they were given permanent protection. Um, the idea in part being that that's the best way people are going to be able to uh, integrate and, and, and become part of a, a new community. But that changed. Temporary protection was a new policy in the late 1990s introduced by Prime Minister John Howard. At that time, he was under pressure, wasn't he, from a minor party called One Nation and its leader, Pauline Hanson, who had been kicked out of the Liberal Party for her racist comments. Can you tell us about that? It was actually One Nation's Pauline Hanson who suggested that refugees should only ever get temporary protection. And at the time, the coalition government thought it was the most ridiculous idea and a really awful idea. They said, you know, can you imagine doing that to people? Can you imagine the trauma and almost the the torture of of telling people that you can only remain here on a a temporary basis? It would be terrible for integration and and for people to get on and, and rebuild their lives. And yet the following year, the coalition did introduce temporary protection visas and they've been a central plank of their refugee policy ever since. But that policy didn't last after Howard, did it? As I recall, refugees from that time were eventually moved onto permanent protection and TPVs became a thing of the past. Is that right? They were abolished by the Rudd Labor government for a period, but they were subsequently reintroduced by the coalition. And uh, now the situation is that even if somebody who seeks Australia's protection here is found to be a refugee, they're only eligible for a three-year visa, uh, which is a TPV, or some people can apply for a five-year um, visa that requires them to live in a, a regional area. Um, but after that three or five-year period is up, they are expected to reapply. And that's the CHEV, or Safe Haven Enterprise Visa. The CHEVs and TPVs, I know, do give refugees rights to stay in Australia, work, study. Jane, why do they still face barriers? You can imagine if you are looking for a job and you have to say, well, look, I've only got permission to be here for three years. Many employers are are going to look to someone else who has the right to be here on a more permanent basis. Um, While you're allowed to go to university, for instance, you're expected to pay the fees an international student would pay, which are absolutely prohibitive. How can you move on with your life if every three years or every five years you have to reprove that you still have a fear of persecution in your home country? Um, You you worry that you might be sent back. Um, You can't build a new life for yourself. And when you add into the mix that people are denied family reunion, they are not allowed to bring their family members here. And we know having family around you is is one of the best things to help you settle in a new place. The levels of psychological distress are through the roof. We've seen in the past, when they were first used, how um, people's mental health deteriorated. And right now we're seeing it again. Some of the first TPVs are now up for reassessment, and um, and it's you know it, there are going to be and there are a lot of very distressed people in the community. So, 
Is it correct to say that those 30,000 people are all at different points in this process, some of them after six, seven years? In terms of the legacy caseload, some people are waiting for the first decision on their case. Okay, so some people are still waiting for their first asylum claim to be heard, still living in the community on bridging visas. Jane, what's this process been like for them? Just imagine coming to a foreign country. Uh, You fear for your life or your safety at home. You may not speak the language. You may not have family members with you. You may not know anybody here. You're not given funded legal assistance. So if you're fortunate to be referred on to legal services, you may get some support, but it's under a lot of strain. You may not even be interviewed for a number of years to see what your case is. And so during that period, um, you may be on a a bridging visa, which can, there are different kinds of bridging visas, but uh, many cases, people aren't allowed to work. Um, They can't sustain themselves. They're reliant on NGOs and, and charities for support. There are cases where people can't afford their own medication. Um, You know, again, really desperate uh, humanitarian situations. People are at risk of destitution. So there are those people and then there are others among this 30,000 who did get interviewed, did get processed. Their claims were accepted. They got refugee protection, but their visas are only temporary. And so they won't be allowed to ever settle permanently in Australia. How is that going to work? There are people on TPVs whose visas are coming up for renewal. And of course, those people know now that it's if, if anything, they're only going to get another temporary period to remain. And now I think many of them feel there is no end in sight. People can have hope for so long, but there comes a point, I think, at which people's resilience starts to fade. And I'm really concerned that there are a lot of people now whose mental health is really suffering and who worry, perhaps quite rightly, that they will never see their family again. And it makes me ask, what kind of country is Australia if we are not only letting people live in those circumstances, but engineering policies that force people to live in those kinds of circumstances? Thanks, Jane. I'm Lauren Martin, and this is 10 Minute Law. Our podcast is edited by Eleanor Buckley with audio support from Syra Arias. It's part of a Caldor Center multimedia project about the legacy caseload called Temporary. You can find out more at caldorcenter.unsw.edu.au.